You're listening to the Creating Resilience podcast with Anne Diamond's Creative Changemaker. I'm passionate about helping clients create calm in their busy lives by having more creative playtime. In each episode, I'll be sharing easy ways to sneak some creativity into your life, whatever it may throw at you. From my own experiences and those of my invited guests, we'll show you how you can overcome any challenge and build your own resilience toolkit. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. So welcome to another episode of the Creating Resilience podcast with me, Anne Diamond. And I'm um, it's the end of January when we're recording this podcast. And I think we're all a little bit low on energy um, on, on this, this Friday evening when we're recording. And I'm delighted to have a real energising boost tonight because um, I'm joined by uh, a wonderful uh, transformational coach called Emily Scholes, all the way from... California. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. Hi, Emily. Welcome, welcome. And um, um, I've been looking forward to speaking to you because um, I'm really interested in the work that you do, and I'm really interested to share that the work you do with people um, on the podcast this week. So um, I'm not going to hold around. I'm going to just ask you to introduce yourself and um, tell us what you do. Of course. Yes. Like you said, I'm a transformational coach and I work primarily with women who have invisible illness. And I define invisible illness as any chronic mental or physical condition where you've heard the phrase, oh, but you look normal. (laughs) So someone who it, it really from all appearances look like they're living life like any normal person, but underneath is going through a a severe struggle, um, with either their mental or their physical health or both. Um, and so that's something that I've dealt with for many, many years. And I felt very called to specifically support that group, um, because it can be a very lonely journey. If, if, um, even if you have the most loving and supportive family and friends, um, if they themselves are, are not dealing with something like that, it's very hard for them to understand exactly what you're going through. And so I really wanted to create a system, a support system um, for women who are on that path, not only to start to feel better, but also to start really taking control of their lives and designing their lives around their health, instead of trying to, um, you know, be the square peg in the round hole and (laughs) just pushing themselves um, into worse health just to try and keep up with what society says that we should all be doing, which at this point is, I I think, way too much for anyone to handle (laughs) comfortably. Oh, I I hear you. I hear you, Emily. That obviously, I I know we've we've read each other's um, stories on on, because we're connected on the podcast collaborative. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much my story, you know, spending years trying to um, hide from the um, the mental illness challenges and feel shame and guilt and trying to act normal, as you say, try to act normal on the outside because you were so terrified of anyone finding out that you had a mental illness. And that's why this, we're doing this podcast is, is yeah. because, you know, I've made it my mission now to, to smash a stigma about talking about it. And these conversations are so, so needed, aren't they? Because so many people have, have, I've lived in fear and shame and guilt for so long because of, of the, the health challenges they're facing. 
And um, I think so. It's, I think we live in a fascinating time. I think the whole pandemic and quarantine and everyone being locked down, I think gave everyone a moment of pause um, or most people and has really opened up the conversation um, which is very exciting um, because, mm-hmm. like you said, for so many people, this is a very, very lonely, um, hidden journey. And now we're realizing that the the ways of our world, you know, the working 80 hours a week that, you know, just trying to always keep up and more and more and more, it's just not sustainable for anyone. And so I always tell people who I work with, you know, you, you might've been born into a body that's a, a little more sensitive than someone else. And so maybe you're in chronic pain, but e- even if someone else isn't feeling necessarily the effects that you are, that lifestyle still isn't healthy for them. <laughs> so I, um, the, the group cro- uh, coaching program that I run, it's called the Canary Club. And I named it that because um, I feel like we're the canaries in the coal mine. We're the yeah. ones that are sounding the alarm of like, this is not how, this isn't why we came to earth. We didn't come here to like work ourselves to death and pay bills and die. That's not, <laughs> that's not why we're here but we're the ones who are feeling the effects of that a little more intensely, a little more sooner than others. And so not only can we come together and heal and feel better, but then go out in the world and, and change it for the better. Cause the, the women that I meet with invisible illness are so powerful, are so wonderful, have so much to give. Um, and I just want to support them in in a journey that will ultimately get them to a place where they can really give and support others. But first we've got to really support ourselves. Yeah. Put your own oxygen mask on first. eh? Um, Yeah. I mean, interesting. I don't know what you think about this, but um, there's there's research. I I talk about this, my burnout coaching and burnout training. There's there's research published by the world health organization and the international labor organization um, showing that overwork you mentioned working 80 hours a week and um, their research showed that working 55 hours or more per week has contributed to ill health and deaths yes There's more people dying from overwork and stress due to overwork than that there are dying of malaria worldwide 750,000 yes. additional deaths I don't know if it was the same study but I just read something and it was just this week and it was it that even if you work one day of 10 hours or more. And so that's eight to six, mm-hmm. you know, that's not like that's it, you know, that's not out of the ordinary for a lot of people, but yeah. if you only do that one day a week, it adds, I think 25% of likelihood of a future stroke. I mean, it's yeah. really, and we have to remember, I always use the, the 80 hour phrase because I started my career as a lawyer in oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was just like, 80 hours a week was just what you did. Yeah, Yeah. no, it was just, that was easy. And when my health issue, you know, my health really cratered, I went to them and said, hey, my doctors are asking me to work part-time and saying I need that. And they said, okay, that's 40 hours a week. And I was just like, (laughs) so out of (laughs) that, but that's the world that they live in. But then when you figure out your salary and you, you know, your salary and you're saying, well, your salary is based on a 40 hour week. So you're basically not in Exactly. So, but we have to remember number one, the 40 hour work week was created 
back in the industrial revolution when people were on production lines and assembly yeah. lines because that they needed that much time in order to physically put together the things that they were putting together it was a you know very physical thing and also and nowadays most of us work on computers we're not doing physical labor necessarily a lot of us are doing um mental labor computer yeah. work thinking things like that which tire us out in a completely different way. 40 yeah. hours a week of like mental labor on a computer really isn't even good for you or possible. Your creativity slumps. But also it was designed that concept of the 40 hour work week was designed in a time when it was usually men who are in the labor force and they had a wife at home who was taking care of the house, oh, the, house. Yeah. the cooking, the cleaning, the kids, all of these things. And so now we have so many people, women especially, who are single parents and working full time and trying to like literally do all of the things that it was designed. It, 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 it's not what yeah. it was designed for. It's an antiquated system. And we're trying to force ourselves to keep up with it, to, you know, keep up with economic growth and all that, you know, BS. And it's just, it's not worth it when we're sacrificing our own health, our own well-being, our own joy. And so yeah. that's, I, I get pretty fired up on that topic, but yeah, <laughs> just... because the other, the other thing is that um, like Jim Quick talks about um, the digital overload, digital distraction and things like that, you know, as you say, when the, when these, when our current working model was designed, if you wanted to contact somebody, you had to write to them or you had to phone them you know and now you're expected to respond immediately immediately so much stuff coming in and so much mental load that no wonder that our we're getting burnt out and stressed and overwhelmed and our, our immune systems are depressed because the you know we're we're bombarded with information demands all day aren't we we're constantly on we don't switch off so so and we have 24 hour work. news cycles that are just like yeah. constantly focused on the negative. And, and it's just this, we really have to take a step back and say, and I think that's what the pandemic gave us the opportunity of, of reassessing, of saying, okay, this is, this is obviously not working. This, yeah. what we've been doing for the past, however many years is not working. How can we really look at what our needs are as just as human beings yeah. and design our lives around that so that yes, we can still support ourselves. We can still, you know, support our families, but that we have some level of health and joy and, um, and just, yeah, purpose in life, as opposed to just burning ourselves out because we're on this hamster wheel and we can't get off of it. So it's and a lot of judgment up. comes along with that, yeah, you know, yeah, that self-judgment. Yeah. And it, it's comparing yourself to other people and and also with social media, I guess, we're seeing the we're seeing the um polished Instagrammable images Absolutely. of people. We don't see the, the legs like the swan's legs swimming frantically pelting beneath the surface, or the teams of people helping these beautifully polished people on Instagram to do all their uploading images and reels and all the other things that they do. Because um it certainly feels like you're, we're being told we're being sold a, we're being sold a, you need to do this do this and actually they've got a whole team of people doing it for them and and they're not trying to manage children in a house and and a job exactly and, 
and everything else so so you're you're helping women is it women you only work with or is it anyone yeah primarily um women you know especially with physical um chronic pain issues women are primarily I read some quote with fibromyalgia Mm. which is a chronic pain condition it's something like 90 percent female um and I think that goes I mean that speaks to a lot of things. One, just how we're, we're built physically differently. You know, most, mm-hmm. most to this day, most medical studies are done on men and they do that because they, because women's hormones vary so much, you know, month yeah. to month. And also during different periods of our lives, whether we're, you know, menstruating, whether we're in perimenopause, menopause, childbirth, like all of these things. And it brings so many different criteria into the picture that, that most medical studies are like, Oh, well, we'll just study men because they're just more stable. Well, that gives a completely skewed result on all, on all of these different things of how, how medications work, how different diets work. Um, there's a wonderful woman, um, and remembering her name, her, a Dr. Alyssa Vitti, and she wrote this wonderful book basically saying, if a woman tries to do like high intensity impact training, you know, hit oh, workouts, yeah. And yeah. if yeah. she tries to do that all month long, yeah, one week it'll work really well for her. And another yeah. week it will actually work against her because of her har- hormones. Yeah. Same with like your diet. It's like we, we as women really need to be cognizant of our uniqueness yeah. biologically and physically and then also, I mean, you just, I mean, women for millennia have just had so much <laughs> more put on them in terms of, you know, work in the household, yeah, we just you know, stress, yeah. you know, all of these things. So I understand why women do that this, that invisible illness affects them on a higher level than men. But I also, you know, work with men as well because pain is pain. And I, yeah. I honestly... It, it doesn't really matter the specifics. I have women in my group program and they all have different, you know, quote unquote diagnoses and things yeah. like that. But we're, we're really focusing on the root causes, mm-hmm. um, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And that is pretty universal, you know, yeah. across the board. I see a lot of that in my EFT clients as well. I'm an EFT practitioner and, uh, yeah, it's really interesting when you get clients. I've had a few clients with fibromyalgia, and it's really interesting when you get to the root of the of the issue. You know, because obviously stress is stress is a big factor. But as you say, like menopause and hormonal causes can cause it too. So, um, yeah. Anyway, no, it's podcast, I mean, it's yeah. it all leads. I think, and I think in my work, what I have seen is that the women who I work with, pretty much across the board are so come to me and they're so hard on themselves for not being able to be the superwoman, for not yeah. being able to keep up. And that self-judgment is a huge contributor to physical and mental stress. Um, so that's something that we work on from the very beginning is giving ourselves a break um, and really learning these, you know, these things of, of how the work week was created and stuff like that, so that you can give yourself and be like, wow, no wonder I can't do this really well. I was never meant to. Um, and when we learn to give ourselves a break and give ourselves the benefit of the doubt um, and talk to ourselves in a more loving, 
supportive way, not only does that help our bodies relax um, and our systems relax, it also makes it so much easier for us to give other people the benefit of the doubt and give others a break. And not judge others, yeah. Yeah, because we're all reflections of one another. And mm-hmm. if I'm super now, nowadays, when I run into someone and they're being super judgmental on me, it's like, I don't take it personally because I know, oh my God, if they're being this hard on me, I can't even imagine how hard they're being on themselves. And yeah. so it's having compassion for someone in that place. But yeah, the, the calming down of the judgment, I think is a huge thing as well. Yeah. I mean, we, it's, it's been said that, um, you know, the things you find irritating or frustrating or annoying about other people are a mirror of what you're not happy about in yourself. Absolutely. So it's quite interesting that you made that comment because it's, it's a really good observation when, when people aren't treating you very well. It, it, it's, it's good to take that, 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 step, that step back, isn't it? And, and, and say, have compassion for yourself because it's their, it's their views, not, 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 it's not quite what you are. Absolutely. Think about compassion for them too, in terms of why they're behaving that way. Yes. Because obviously they're lacking or fearing or 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 or, or feeling shame about something. something. Yeah, they're, yeah. Happy people don't go around judging other people. No, that's interesting. That's just not. It's I used to be incredibly judgmental. And I mean, my God, I went to school in order to become a judge. Like literally that's what I wanted <laughs> well, to do. Judgment. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to sit in judgment on other yeah, people yeah, as a living. Yeah. I mean, that's like how judgmental I was. And then I realized it was because I was so judgmental uh, on myself of not being perfect enough, not being at a certain level, not being, you know, fill in the blank X, Y, Z. And that's a, a process to unwind yeah, that and let that go. Wow. Wow. We've, we've covered so much ground so far already. This is, this is really amazing. Uh, you know, thank you so much for all that, all you've shared so far, Emily. Um, so this podcast is about, is called Creating Resilience. And I know you've got, um, you've got quite a lot of, um, to share about your, your journey. Um, how has creativity made you more resilient or what, what part has creativity played in your life? Oh, creativity has reminded me that we're here to have joy. We're here to play. We're here to come to this planet and be in awe and wonder and be surprised and delighted. Like, yes, we're here to take action and we're here to, you know, create and, and work. And, but if that's all you have, then burnout is inevitable. You have to balance it out with play, with creativity, with anything that, that just gets you in that flow state. That's when your body can really start healing. That's when your soul starts healing. Um, during the, the pandemic, during the quarantine, um, I was living alone at the time. And so I, you know, wasn't seeing anyone all that often and was home a lot. And, and I reached this point where I just said, okay, I have to find something that is not on a screen. Like I, I love watching movies. I love, you know, I'm, I'm a former actor. Like I love all of that. Um, and I also love reading. Those are, you know, two of my favorite things, but I was just feeling like I need something more tactile, more create, just something that I'm creating. Yeah. And so I 
bought all of these paint by number kits. Okay. (laughs) It was because I, I thought, wow, that just sounds relaxing. It sounds fun and perfectionist tendency. I'm guaranteed something that looks good at the end (laughs) because I'm not a visual artist. That's not a strength of mine. That's not anything I've ever studied. And so I wanted something that would look pretty at the end. And it was just such an enjoyable, in the beginning, it felt so indulgent yeah. To just sit there for an hour, I'd put on classical music, I'd paint. And, but the, the rewards that it gave me were so worth the time that it took because yeah. I could literally feel my nervous system calming down. Wow. I could feel myself getting creative ideas for work. Um, I could just be in that enjoyment and I could be in that present moment instead of future chippering or past tripping, you know, and being stuck in those. Um, so I tell people, I don't care what your creative outlet is like, just find something you like. And a lot of times you'll, there are, there are clues in your childhood. Like, what did you love doing as a child? Um, when did we forget to learn? When did we learn how not to play? You know, exactly. We stopped playing, didn't we? We stopped exploring or fearing, making mistakes, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's, there's a, just like an age thing of like earlier, you know, yes, play. And then you hit some kind of age, whether it's in high school or whatever. And it's like, no, you can't play anymore. You've got to get to work. And I think that's a, um, a result of our, just our very hyper masculized society. Like there's a, one of the hermetic principles I teach is the, the balance between the masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. It's, it's everywhere in nature. It's everywhere. Um, we all have both within us. It's not like a man versus woman. It's it, we have aspects of both, but our society is so far out of balance on the masculine side. And that's like this, the side of logic of action of, you know, Doing, um, not being. aggression yeah. Yeah. of all these things. And the feminine is that, that place of just sitting and resting and receiving and playing and, it's just not incentivized in our culture. It just isn't at this point. And so anything that you can do, I feel is like a revolutionary act that you're taking by yourself or with, you know, a group of people that you are saying, no, I, like I said, I did not come here to work myself to death and pay bills and die. I came to enjoy my life and, um, and spread that joy to others and grow and, and act in the process. But I think creativity is the, is the sure way into that, finding that balance and rebalancing it for yourself. And I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said there, Emily. And I, I really, um, I applaud you for, you know, being kind to yourself and saying, okay, I want to be creative here and I'm just going to do something. I don't, I'm not going to judge myself whether it's, you know, being an artist or not. I'm just going to do something creative and see how it goes. And you, you, sounds like you created a little ritual with the music and yes you know that absolutely and by taking away some of the barriers to the creativity by doing something that was you know in your view you know in color color by numbers I mean that is still a creative outlet because you're choosing the colors and you're choosing how you apply them and things like that so yeah it was so relaxing it was meditative and I also had a rule that like 
I refuse to look at this as something that I could potentially monetize down the road. Like, I think that's just, another just you, aspect of our, like of the Instagram culture. It's like any hobby that you have, well, you should be making money off of that. And it's yeah. like, no, you should have something that is purely for your enjoyment that has no strings attached and you do it just because you love it. Whether it's that's like having a hot bath, music, or, or dancing, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I hear so many people saying, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not creative. I couldn't do art and that. But, you know, there's so many other ways you can be creative, aren't there? You know, it's even with so many. a nice meal or doing something really nice or arranging your food or, you know, there's lots of ways you can be creative without creating a masterpiece on a canvas. Absolutely. My, my roommate, I adore her. She's like my sister and she cooking, like you just said, she is that is how, that is her creativity. That is how she, I mean, she is creative in a number of ways, but that's like her favorite thing. And she, she recently, um, had a breakthrough case of COVID. And so, you know, we, we didn't see each other for, you know, a couple of weeks. And when it was finally safe to, to come back and be in the same room, like, that's what she's like, can I cook? Can I cook you something? You know, it was just like this big celebration and our entire table was covered with food. And I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to eat all of this, but she was so happy just to like just to have that creative outlet again. Um, I think it's so important. And there's a great book by Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, the woman who wrote uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. And it's called Big Magic. And it talks about how to just inject your life with creativity. And like you said, it doesn't have to be in a, what most people would consider like the traditional creative outlet. It doesn't have to be painting or writing or doing all of these Mm -hmm. things. It's whatever you're doing, you can clean you can clean your house in a creative way, throw some music on and dance and like all of these things. And that's really a focus of mine in my coaching is how do you take just, how do you inject joy into as many points throughout your day as possible? Just little things. It doesn't take you any extra time or effort to put music on while you clean your house, but it creates a joyful you know, a a raise in the joy factor. And that spills over eventually into your health um, because it's not, especially with invisible illness, it's not just like, you're going to, this one thing is going to fix you. It, it, it's a holistic thing. And so how do we take little moments and how do we just shift how we do the things that we're already doing um, to inject more joy and, and love and compassion into what we're doing. And over time, those things really add up and contribute to your overall health and well-being. That's yeah. And, and it was interesting what you said when you said um when you were coloring, um, coloring, doing your painting by numbers. Yes. And um you said that you came up with loads of ideas, creative ideas for your work. Yes. And it, that is something that people sometimes don't remember that when we allow ourselves or when we feel triggered or stressed or when we're in a place of high stress and anxiety, the first thing that first part of our brain that gets shut down is our creative creative brain. So Absolutely. if we're doing something that might, that causes to be in flow, like you were in flow with the music and you know, you're, you're to- purely focused um, on, on, on the creating your, your painting, your brain felt safe and it felt calm. 
so yeah. it op- allowed you and we often find these ideas in the shower or when we're doing something absolutely relaxing, don't we and it's like ah so it's 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 so it's like a double benefit isn't it it is and I think we have in this culture I just think uh, you know whether it's because of our parents or religion I think religion has a big thing we've been brainwashed into believing that if something feels good that it's bad yeah. Like it's selfish. It's, you know, like good food and sex and play and dancing, you know, like, oh no, those are things, those are evil. Those are, you know, bad for you. And it's like, no, if it, if it's good, it feels good. <laughs> it feels good. From the girl, you know? yeah. I mean, obviously there are like, you know, limits to that statement, but really getting into that flow of saying, I deserve to be happy in my life. What things make me happy. And, and then you know, especially with people who have invisible illness, we don't necessarily have as much energy throughout the day. And so it's super important for us to get very, very discerning as to what we're spending our time and our energy on. And so if there are things in your life that you're doing just because you feel like you have to, or someone's telling you to, but they're not bringing you joy, like cut them out maybe temporarily, but maybe permanently and start focusing on the things that do bring you joy. That's part of owning your own life. That's part of like taking responsibility for your own journey and saying, I'm not going to worry what the peanut gallery is saying. My, the most important relationship in my life is between me and me, like me and my higher power, me and my God, my source, whatever you want to call it. And if, if we're both on board with something, then it's a yes. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is saying. And that was something that I had to really practice and grow into because I was always such a people pleaser. I always really wanted to make sure everyone else was happy. Many, many people who have invisible illness are naturally empathic. And so we can feel the energy. We can feel the emotions of the people around us and we want everyone to feel okay. And so we go around and we focus on making everyone else comfortable to our own detriment and no, just like you mentioned in the beginning, the oxygen mask, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first and get truly happy, healthy in your own right. Then you have something to give someone else. If you're constantly giving from an empty cup, you're not able to give your best. You're, you're going to end up being resentful. You're going to end up being burnt out. And so it's, um, selfish is not a bad word <laughs> oh, no, I, this is my this is my mantra you know um self-care isn't selfish and actually um in the in the burnout training that i do that's the first resilience toolkit tool i teach is to be more selfish as in self because you know you've got to as you say look after yourself um do you i mean i don't know what you in the us we talk about because i've done um as a, when i was a, a health coach here in the uk we did um, pain management courses for patients and um, obviously we talk about managing your energy levels and we talked about the spoon, you know, the spoon theory. So how many spoons do you have a day? But um, I've taken that into um, an energy audit, an energy account. So I try and teach people to imagine they've got a hundred pounds in their bank account every day and that's how much energy you've got and then see how much you lose um, yes. with things that stress you out and how much you gain from things that bring you joy or things that energize you and then see if you're in credit or debt at the end of every day and obviously carry on being in debt every day you're going to get burnt out so um oh, definitely 
but some no, people, I think yeah, that's a great, people, I think that's a great analogy because it gives people a visual to work with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to really some, like hone in on. Sometimes even just getting out of bed or getting dressed is, is taking up a lot of energy, isn't it? Especially if you're in pain. So absolutely. You know, people have to take that into account, don't they? So, you know, an achievement a day could be just getting dressed, couldn't it? Absolutely. I'm a huge proponent of celebrating little wins. Brilliant. Like anything, because we usually we're all looking for kind of the big miracle, the big change, the I won the lottery or I, you know, got married or like all of these, the, the big events. And those are great. And those are wonderful. And I love them. But our life is made up of little, mm, little, little wins, wins, little yeah. events. And so if you whatever you focus on grows, that's just straight up quantum physics, law of attraction, whatever you focus on grows. So if you are constantly celebrating the little wins, you're going to get more of them. You're going to get, and then they get bigger and bigger. And so, but most of us are doing the opposite. We're focusing on the lack of the big win. And mm-hmm. so by the end of the day, oh, my life hasn't completely changed. So today was a failure. And mm-hmm. that's the mindset that we have because, you know, as humans, we're natural problem solvers. That's what we do. And so if we have some big problem in our life, like let's say our health or our finances, what you mentioned in the beginning, if we're focusing on how we didn't measure up in one of those aspects, then that's where our focus is, how I didn't measure up. And that bleeds into all aspects of our lives. Whereas instead, if we just focus on, I got out of bed today, I took a shower today. There have been days that like taking a shower was my big accomplishment and you celebrate the hell out of it Yeah, because not only does it lead to awesome, better things down the road, but in the moment, what feels better judging yourself or celebrating yourself like that our lives are made up of these present moments together. Exactly. And so we got to just say, how can I inject as much joy, love and gratitude into every moment of my day? Um, And that's going to start me trending in this direction instead of that direction. Brilliant. So that's, I mean, that's that in a way that's getting creative, isn't it? So um, I I, I like to think of it as well, reducing your second arrows during the day, because obviously you've got your pain, you've got whatever you're dealing with. And the more you beat yourself up about having that pain or not doing something, you're adding, you're, infl- you're inflaming that. So that's the second arrow yes. that's causing you the extra pain. So the more we can reduce those second arrows, and just deal with the single things that we're dealing with, the, the more energy I we love have that. the day. Yeah, yeah I, I'm a big proponent, I, of course, of meditation. I meditate daily. And I also am a proponent of, of meditating twice a day honestly, because I do it in the morning, but also in that dip in the afternoon when it's, it's that feeling of, oh my God, I'm running out of energy. I've got to push through. And if you literally just take five, 10 minutes and quiet mind and breathe, you're bringing your stress levels down. And so instead of your day looking like, okay, I start here, maybe pain level stress wise and and it goes like this. And by the end of the day, I'm just in horrible pain and stressed and exhausted. If you meditate first thing, now suddenly you're down here. And then if you go throughout the day and then suddenly you meditate in the middle of the day or before dinner or something like that, now suddenly you're down here, it still might go up, but you're only ending up here at the end of the day instead of here. And it's, um, 
that's something that, you know, especially if you're dealing with chronic pain, it's just so important to take those moments for yourself and know that there is time for you to take those moments for yourself. Like, even if you're feeling rushed, even if you're feeling overwhelmed, those moments will help with those feelings. And now suddenly mm-hmm. you're a little more relaxed going into the second half of your day. That's amazing advice. I, I, there's a quote I love, and I can't remember, I'll tell you, it's a quote I love, and I can't remember who quoted it, but it's, if you if you don't have time to meditate for 10 minutes a day, you should meditate for an hour a day. I, can't, I, I, think, I think that it might was the Dalai Lama, but yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorites as well. That's great, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I love it. Um, so um, is there any other ways that creativity has, has helped you become more resilient? Oh, I think it, for me, it's getting out of groupthink, creativity by itself. I mean, yes, you can be creative with a group of people. I mean, a band, you know, musicians, all of that, but creativity is, is personal to each one of us. And I think remembering that we, we all came here with a unique perspective, a unique spark, just something, there's no two people on the planet that, that are the same. And that's not by accident. We're all here to figure out what we love and enjoy and pursue it. And so for me, the creativity helps with that reminding myself that I don't have to go along with what everyone else is doing. I get to choose for myself just because I say so. I am the authority of my life and I get to choose. And that's a really powerful reminder Um, And I love, I mean, just watching um, how our world has started to really embrace inclusivity and diversity um, and personal expression, whether it's the LGBTQ plus community, like BIPOC, like all of the different beautiful individuals in this world. And we're our beauty is in our individuality. Like we did not come here to be all the same. No, that would, boring, what would the point be? That's so boring. Yeah. So, you know, to be able to, like, I, I was in the, sh- in the store the other day and there was a woman must've been in her seventies maybe. And she had bright pink hair. And I was just like, you look awesome. Like, I love that. Like, that's just something because her doing that l- lights a light bulb in my head of like, Oh, I could do something like that too. Like, you know, we give ourselves, we give each other permission to be more of ourselves when we're in our full creative expression. And that for me is just such a a benefit. I love that phrase. I might have to take that as a quote for the, uh, for the notes. So I've I've really enjoyed chatting to you. I could chat to you all night, Emily. And I know I I could, but um, I'm I'm obviously mindful of of both yours and my precious time. So um, how, uh, what, what takeaways would you like to give to, to the listeners about, you know, um, about being, being more creative and bringing more creativity into their life? I just think do it, just take the leap and really, it's such a wonderful way of getting to know yourself. You know, I think we, we explore things like that when we're younger and people are asking us, well, what do we want to be when we grow up and like all this stuff. But at some point we stop asking, we stop getting to know ourselves. We're, we're too busy working. We're too busy taking care of other people. We're too busy focusing maybe on like a romantic relationship. And what about really, really getting to know yourself? Um, 
because you're wonderful. You're unique. You're absolutely the only, you're one of a kind. How do you tick? And that I think leads to people who are empowered and loving and compassionate. And that's what our world needs more of these days. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, I salute you. Thank you so much, Emily. I'm, Thank you. That's, that's an amazing thing to leave the listeners with. And finally, how can we find you if we want, if we want to join your Canary Club? or we want to, Oh, yes. You know, how can uh, so you? you just go to my website. It's um, www.emilyshawls.com. And I'm sure you'll put it in my last name is kind of weird. And so, yeah, you can <laughs> put links somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's just emilyshawls.com. We're actually, um, we're revamping our whole website. I'm very excited, but um, you can reach me there. Um, I'm also on Instagram at um, shift.yourself. Um, so yeah, I would love to connect with you. If you have any questions about me, my work, or, or just want to say hi, I would love that. Thank you. Oh, it's, thank you so much, Emily. Well, I hope everyone, everyone I'll, I'll share all that in the show notes and a bit more about Emily because she's had a fascinating career and 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 um, and, and story as well. And uh, which we obviously we could we could talk for hours about this, but we we maybe we'll have to get you back on for another episode to talk about the rest of your story. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you, coming all the way from California. What's the weather like where you are? Is it nice? Oh, it's it's still. I mean, it's January. It's still kind of it. But when I say it's cold here, like cold is 60 <laughs> degrees. Oh, so I, I, I recognize I am spoiled <laughs> when it comes to weather. I'm bare, I am bare. I pinch myself daily. Summer temperatures here in the UK sometimes. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm from Wisconsin originally and I lived in the UK for a while. So like I, I know, I know. Oh, yeah. I, oh. I'm very grateful to be here. Oh, well, thank you so much, Emily. And um, I, it's been fantastic to talk to you. And um you take care and keep on creating and doing the wonderful work you do. Really appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you, you too, Anne. Take care. Thank you. Bye. So that's all for this time. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and please share with anyone you know who might benefit from hearing what we discussed today. If you want to find out more about how I can help you create change in your life and discover more creative ways to living and working well, you can check out my website at www.worksafeandwell.co.uk where you can read the weekly blog posts and book a free Power Hour Discovery Call. You can also download a free guide to taming your stress triggers from the website at worksafeandwell.co.uk forward slash overwhelmed hyphen and hyphen stressed. For all links to my creative work, look up my link tree link forward slash and diamond artist. I also run a private Facebook Beat Burnout support group. The links to that and all the other ones mentioned here are in the show notes below. Until next time, stay safe and well and keep creating.